Friends, it may be autumn where you are, but it is officially Christmas here at She Reads Truth HQ. You know that for the last nine years, we've been celebrating the Advent season with you, and we are so excited to celebrate our 10th Advent as a She Reads Truth community. This year's study is called The Everlasting Light. Y'all, from the creation to the incarnation to the coming eternal city, Scripture talks about Jesus as the light in a dark world. So during this Advent season, we're going to celebrate that the hopes and fears of all the years were answered in Jesus, the everlasting light. Now, I know this time of year can fill up so fast with planning and parties and shopping, but we want to help you prepare your heart for Christmas Day. So in addition to all the good daily Advent scripture readings, this year's Advent study book is going to include simple and thoughtful extras designed to help you carve out some quiet and engage this season as people of light. There will be daily reflection prompts, excellent recipes and crafts, Christmas hymns, and more. Y'all, this book is so special. We also have great things planned for you throughout the Advent season. Amanda and I will be chatting with some great friends through our five-week podcast series. Plus, we will be baking and crafting right alongside you guys on Instagram Live. So friends, whether this is your 10th Advent with the She Reads Truth community or if it's your first, head on over to shopshereadstruth.com right now, get your Advent study book ordered and all the goodies that come with it. And let's get ready to prepare our hearts for an incredible Advent as the She Reads Truth community. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And today is our second and final episode in the Hosea series. And today we are joined by the one and only Jackie Hill Perry. Y'all, Jackie is such a treat and such a good person to have this conversation with. Jackie is a writer, a poet, a Bible teacher, a hip-hop artist. She is the author of Gay Girl, Good God, the story of who I was and who God has always been. At home, she is the wife to Preston and mommy to Eden and Autumn and Sage and a baby boy on the way. Jackie also released in August a book called Holier Than Thou. And this book, you guys, if you haven't already ordered it, order it now, get it in your library. More than that, get it in your hands. Read this book. It is is excellent, and it's going to be so relevant to the conversation we're about to have about the book of Hosea. Let's get right to it. Jackie, you have recently released a best-selling book. No big deal. Wall Street Journal, USA Today. We are so excited about this book. It is called Holier Than Thou, But this book is about the holiness of God. Listen to the subtitle, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him. That's right. I mean, the subtitle alone is like a sermon. I love it. (laughs) It I'm rocking it like a baby currently. (laughs) Okay, so in this book, you are discussing how even as believers, we sometimes view God's holiness as all about His judgment and how He's going to get us, right? Yeah. But... This feels actually super relevant to our conversation today about the book of Hosea. Can you help us just kind of unpack what's happening in the book in Holier Than Thou? And then even like, let's talk a little bit about how relatable that is to the book of Hosea. Yeah. So in Holier Than Thou, my whole aim for the most part was to explore how God's holiness is an incentive for faith. One reason I think is because a lot of not all, but a lot of books about holiness can kind of land a lot on God's righteousness and how that means that God is a judge. But what that does is I think it eliminates all of the other beauties that should be also understood because of God's holiness, that he is eternal, that he is transcendent, that he is unique, Mm -hmm. that he is all the things, right? I think another aspect of that is how sometimes holiness can just be this like theological kind of abstract thing where to say that, no, God's holiness is an incentive for faith. Now it moves into, oh, it's actually practical to believe and know that God is holy because it influences the way I live, the way I speak, the way I think, all the things. I think as it relates to Hosea, as I read through Hosea, it was a lot of connections in just some of the passages that I read 
through mm-hmm. the scriptures as studying holiness, in particular Exodus 32, uh, with the creation of the golden calf. And I don't know what chapter in Hosea it was, but he was speaking about how they were taking God's gifts mm-hmm. and you know giving them and using them for idol worship. And that's exactly what Israel did in Exodus 32. They took the gold earrings off their ears, which they got because God gave them favor with the Egyptians. And so the thing that God gave you out of his generosity, now you're using it to create a false idol. And so Mm -hmm. that was interesting to me. But I think at the same time, seeing that God's judgment is harsh, it still comes out of his holiness to make things right. And I think that that's a good thing, that we have a just God, even if it's a heavy weight to bear and communicate. That's good. That's good. You also say, I think it's in the, I don't know where in the book, about how God's holiness means he can't sin. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about that. Yeah. And so again, I think going back to the moral purity part, it's like, okay, God is sinless. You're a sinner. You're going to hell then. And it's like, okay, is that the only angle? Of this is that the only implication of this? Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, but how about that's true. And If God is holy, that means he can't sin. Mm -hmm. So if God can't sin, that means he can't sin against me. And if he can't sin against me, then that makes him trustworthy. I use that framework from Jeremiah 2, where God speaks to Israel and he says, what wrong, what injustice have you found in me that you left me and went after worthlessness? And then in John 6, Jesus says, can any of you convict me of sin? If not, why don't you believe me? In both instances, you see God saying, hey, I'm perfect. And so there's no reason for you to leave me. And there's no reason for you not to believe me. And so I didn't mean to rhyme. It just happened that way. I like that. And so it's a thing. It's like God is good, literally. Every person in our life can sin against us. In yeah. fact, the closer the person in our life is to us, the more power they have to hurt us. Mm-hmm. And so we apply what we know about our relationships with people to our yeah. relationship with God. The closer I am to Him, the more power He has to hurt me, the more vulnerable I am to Him, rather than seeing how other God is, how yep. infinite He is, and not likening Him to the finite and saying, no, this is all the more reason that I can trust Him with yep. my vulnerability. Yeah, God does not have our nature. He has his own. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Glory be to God. And so I think that can eliminate the fear that comes with faith. If I surrender, then what? What will you do with my body? Or like if I identify as a Christian and not identify with what the culture wants me to, who will I really be? Just all the things. So, yeah. This is such a good segue into reading what we have this week, because last Mm. week, Jackie, last week we read the first, what, eight chapters of Hosea? Is that right? Yeah. With Francine Rivers. Okay. I mean, it was so fun to have the author of Redeeming Love with us to talk about this book of the Bible. So we talked a lot about the enactment, like what Hosea was called to do, and that he was called to take Gomer as his wife and to pursue her. And so that was, and we talked about their children. So a lot of our conversation was based on that part of the book. But, you know, a few chapters into the book, it turns to the prophecy, right, into Israel. And so As we're reading this week, we have these questions in the study book. For those of you listening who have your study book, they're part of the weekly questions that you get at the end of the week. But one of the first things that we want to ask ourselves as we're reading, and as you're reading this week, for you to ask yourself, what does this passage teach us about God's character? And so the distinction that you just made is, I think, one that is so important when we are reading Scripture in general, and including, as we're reading Hosea, that we want to see what does this say first? What does this say about God? We so often want to just jump to like, what does this mean for right now? And how exactly does this make sense? And and these are all important questions. How do I apply this? You know, we want to apply it so badly, but we've got to understand it, right? And so the first thing we need to ask is what does this teach us about God's character? And then what does it teach us about Israel's character? Because they're the players in this, right? right? And then we can kind of move forward to, okay, well, where have we seen this? Like where, if Israel is experiencing the consequences of their sin, then where in my life have I 
experienced the consequences of my sin? And and where in my life have I experienced God's mercy and compassion? So those are just some things that we can keep in mind as we're reading. But we really, I mean, we start here on day eight, and we just get right into it. <laughs> so even going back to day five, Hosea 8, starting in verse 4, it says, they have installed kings, but not through me. They have appointed leaders, but without my approval. They make their silver and gold into idols for themselves for their own destruction. Your calf idol is rejected, Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? For this thing is from Israel. A craftsman made it, and it is not God. The calf of Samaria will be smashed to bits. So that's where we left off last week. I love it. We did not leave on a high note. I mean, it was intense. I feel like we left somewhat apologetically, like, come back next week. Keep reading, guys. Keep Keep reading. (laughs) There's no tidy bow here. But then Mm -hmm. even as we start, you know, day eight, which if you're reading this on Monday, the day it releases, you'll be in Hosea chapter nine. Jackie, will you read for us chapter nine, verses one through four? Yeah, it says, they will not pour out their wine offerings to the Lord and their sacrifices will not please him. Their food will be like the bread of mourners. All who eat it become defiled. For their bread will be for their appetites alone. It will not enter the house of the Lord. Their bread will be for their appetites alone. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds like a mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I think it means. I think that it means that their bread is no good as an offering to God or as a sacrifice. Yeah. I think that what God is saying perhaps is what he said earlier in Hosea, which is like, I don't desire the blood of bulls and goats. I don't desire burnt offerings. I want holy living. And so this bread that you make and you plan to sacrifice or offer to me, it's for you. It's no longer for me. I might be wrong in my interpretation of that, but I think that could be it. It's for your desires. Like you're taking it. It's all idolatry. Like it's not for... Certainly not for God, the one true God, and it's really not for others. It's for us. Yeah. You know, it's like the ultimate selfishness. Yeah. And it's, I think I've always thought it interesting how with Israel, and I think even with us, those of us who identify as Christian, there's always this tendency to put some like layer of religion on top of our idolatry. So like with Israel and the wilderness, they make a golden calf and say, now we're going to burn offerings to Yahweh, to mm-hmm. the Lord. And it's like, wait, but <laughs> we're worshiping a false God while at the same time, quote unquote, praising the real God all at the same time. Or Jesus, when he went into the temple to get out the money changers, it's like, you're in the Lord's house worshiping yeah. mm-hmm. money. And it's just all these things. And so, it's it's interesting to be a modern reader reading about this ancient true story, and it's sometimes comfortable to be in the modern reader's seat and just going like, goodness sakes, like why on earth would you melt down your gold earrings that the Lord gave you and make a golden calf? That's the most comfortable seat to sit in in mm. this scenario. But when we, like Amanda was saying, like, Ask, what does this teach about God's character? What does this show us about Israel's character? Where are we seeing this to be true today about the unchanging God in relationship to us? Where are we crafting idols? We are idol factories, as Tim Keller puts it. Jackie, you have a chapter in your book about idolatry. Mm -hmm. And you say at one point, we will say that God is holy, but there are little gods we may or may not have given a name to that have earned the attribution by our misplaced faith in them. Mm -hmm. And you go on, like, there's a couple of things that you talk about. You talk about this exchange, like a magician's act, where we're trading profane for common, like where we're just idol factories, where we're Mm -hmm. creating those things. And so as the modern reader, we're reading Hosea, we're reading this true story about God's covenant playing out with Old Testament Israel. But what does that look like for us today? Like, as idol factories that we are, where are we... You even talk in, in one of your chapters about social media as an idol. Yeah. Talk For to sure. us, Jackie. Convict us. <laughs> the thing with idols, the confusing thing is that everything we make an idol, for the most part, is a good thing, right? Technology is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Bread is a good thing. Gold is a good thing. Having a job is a good thing. All the things. But we make <laughs> good things God. 
And so I think when it comes to social media, we can use social media to get out the gospel to people we will never meet, never see. Yet at the same time, we can also utilize social media to get out the gospel and our praise for our articulation of the gospel then becomes an idol, (laughs) you know, or Mm -hmm. we got sponsorships and ads for being able to do this or create content. I think even just the identity and the comfort and security that Mm. you can receive from a social media app is telling about just our need for identity and comfort and security, primarily in God. And I think that's why social media can be such a hindrance, even when you receive two criticisms, because Mm -hmm. you place all of your faith and your identity Mm -hmm. in this really flimsy created thing, rather than rooting it in the nature and the love that God has shown you through Christ Jesus. And so that's one way. So not only are we looking for comfort from this created thing, but we're also feeling urges or even pressures to serve the created thing, right? Like to serve social media, we're now expected to act, serve, produce in that area where actually, no, we're expected to serve the Lord. Yeah, our time is is a kind of burnt offering. We're giving all of our time. Jackie Hill Perry. Sacrificing all of our time to a creature. Yeah. Our time is a type of burnt offering. I might need a minute. (laughs) I remember in high school theology class, our teacher, somebody said, I'm just killing time until whatever. And he said, never say that. We're like, time is our gift. Time is our resource. We do not kill time. I know that like there's, you know, whatever, but that was just something that has stuck with me so much. Like I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to kill time. I want to redeem time. I want to use it as a resource. Mm -hmm. So when you say, Time is our burnt offering. Yeah, That's right. And ultimately, we do this with social media, but we do this with any idol. We are looking to the idol to give us something that it does not have the power or the authority to give. We're looking for worth. We're looking for validation. We're looking for love, but not just love like, oh, I love you. You're the Mm. best. But like love like we want to be known and seen and loved and yeah. and social media is not the only idol that just fundamentally cannot give us that like none of our idols can and so i mean it's the same way that we can make our families into an idol mm-hmm. you know those of us who have children or spouses or who desi- or, desire children or spouses right yeah. yes that's right or we desire those things or our friend group or our our degree that we're working on or our work, our job, whatever, our skincare routine. I mean, literally, we can make anything into an idol. And if we keep reading and go into Hosea chapter 10, listen to verse 1. Israel is a lush vine. It yields fruit for itself. The more his fruit increased, the more he increased the altars. The better his land produced, the better they made the sacred pillars. And that's what you were saying earlier, Jackie, is like they're attributing these blessings and this goodness that clearly are from God to, and I say clearly because they were rescued from Egypt. This is the same God. Yes. And they were given manna in the desert. Like this is, they know who God is. There is one provider. That's right. And it's always and only been God, yet they are attributing this goodness to their idols, so much so that they see the goodness and go, wow, thanks, idol. I'm going to make a bigger altar. They take the blessing and reinvest it. Yeah. They double down. Okay. So, what we have seen so far is how Israel got it wrong. And, (laughs) right. Welcome to the Old Testament. And how similar our story is. To Israel, our relationship with God is with Israel. We are an unfaithful people. He is a faithful God. Amen. But so the question is, like, okay, let's, like, how do we turn this around? And instead of saying, like, how do we stop, you know, worshiping idols? Instead, how do we credit God for the things that He has done for us? Like, what practices can we implement Mm -hmm. to, I mean, like, are we just chalking things up to luck and coincidence, or are we pausing and worshiping and giving thanks. I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Yeah, I think having having a really good theology of what it means that God is creator mm. and sovereign yep. and father, you know, having a theology that, man, every good gift I have is from his hand. But I also think that uh, Paul was hitting on something. 
when he said that uh, don't be anxious for anything, but like make your requests, your needs. God, I need you for comfort. Mm -hmm. God, I need some money. God, I need some security. Like all the things, let your requests be made known to God, but do it with thanksgiving. That's good. And so I'm, I'm confessing my neediness, which helps me to not go to idols for it. But I'm also being thankful for what is to come and what mm-hmm. I already have. And so there's also a heart of contentment that just reigns in your heart. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Because if we are quick to ask, and I think that the Lord wants us to, I mean, pray constantly. Like, mm-hmm. I think we are to be... Without ceasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I think that points our eyes in the right direction so that when the blessing comes, we know where that's coming from. Because we're not distracted, we're not looking to the right or the left. What I love about Hosea is that God proves that He's not limited to us knowing how to do this right. You know, like He's, even if you just read the verse right after the one that we just read in Hosea 10 1, if you read verse 2, their hearts are devious. Now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and demolish their sacred pillars. Like Hosea is this pursuit. Mm-hmm. I mean, God is pursuing, and some of it, the language is harsh. I think that Francine last week described it as God's passion for His people, like that we see His passion for His people in the book of Hosea. I'm just going to flip the page onto Hosea 11, because I think here we start to see that God is no less resolute, mm-hmm. um, but we also see this tenderness, you know, that it feels different than the more intense, like the kind of the harsher, you know, that fall on our ears as harsher passages, but it's the same God. And like you said, Jackie, like you've explored in your book, the God who is so fully good and fully just and fully loving all the time in equal measure and holy, like he can't sin against us. So that's not a fear we have to have. Mm-hmm. Let's read from this, can we, Jackie? Jackie Hill Perry version, audio Bible, would, um, which I was going to be a thing one day, right? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Is. Ah! The ESP will have my voice among many. Ray Ortland is going to be a part of it, too. Oh, so. this is going to be so great. It'll be fun. Well, I'm very you. excited about this. Okay. Give us a preview. <laughs> Read for us, if you will, from Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. Israel called to the Egyptians, even as Israel was leaving them. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the hand, but they never knew that I healed them. I led them with human cords, with ropes of love. To them, I was like one who eases the yoke from their jaws. I bent down to give them food. Wow. That's so tender. It makes me think like prodigal son tender, but more. Mm -hmm. And also heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, to imagine what that feels like. (laughs) They never knew that I healed them. Yeah. Will you read 8 through 11 from that chapter too? How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? Oh, these names. Mm -hmm. Just go with God, Jackie. Do your best. (laughs) (laughs) How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboin? I have had a change of heart. My compassion is stirred. Man, uh-huh. he's like a real, like a, he's sounding like a husband. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like a real faithful. Like, how can I not uh-huh. be good to you? How can I not continue to, you know, pursue you mm-hmm. and chase after you? And all the things. And I think we know, even in terms of being and even maintaining our status or whatever as a Christian, it's all contingent on the pursuit and grace of God Mm -hmm. to Him who is able to keep me. That's right. Right? It is by grace through faith that you have been saved, not of yourself. Like, thus any man can boast. It's like we can only return back to God what He Himself has initiated. And so that's the paradox of this whole thing. Yeah. And to see, it's such a powerful image that I've had a change of heart. My compassion is stirred. Mm. That God is a God whose compassion can be stirred, but it doesn't threaten 
his other attributes. It doesn't threaten his sovereignty. It doesn't threaten his justice. And that is so other to us. And I mean, and even if you keep going in this passage in verse 9, for I am God and not man, the Holy One among you, I will not come in rage. Like, I am God and not man, mm-hmm. not like you. And so we should feel awe at this. Yeah, because even after that, they will follow the Lord. He will roar like a lion. Mm-hmm. When he roars, his children will come trembling from the West. They will be roused like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. Then I will settle them in their homes. This is the Lord's declaration. <laughs> Oof. I want Jackie to be settled in her home. Jackie, we're going to pray that little <laughs> verse for you. <laughs> a literal application. Yeah. But to see, my current circumstances. Yeah. That, yeah. that, Wait, well, listeners don't have context for that. Jackie's home has been flooded with sewage. Yeah. And is. So the main area of my home, yes. Is turned inside out. Was, yes. And so there was a backup in the basement that allowed sewage to flow through the upstairs, well, our main area toilet, basically. And so they had to tear up all the floors and some of the drywall. Basically, every place that was contaminated mm-hmm. had to be removed. And so, I mean, it's not yeah. a bad allegory here that we got going. Like every place that's contaminated has to be dealt with, <laughs> so that's that true. we can make it right and we can. Settle. And it's uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it is uncomfortable. Your house is being made clean, Jackie. Mm-hmm. Hello, <laughs> I'll take that as a word. Yeah. Hey friends, we want to take a moment to tell you about an exciting new show that's being produced by KO Films called The Covenant. The Covenant is a series that will lead us through the Old Testament stories of patriarchs and prophets, saints and sinners. It's going to depict lived experiences of characters from the Old Testament like Daniel and Esther and Abraham and Ruth. And it's going to show God's connection to these people in ancient times so that we can better see his connection to us today. And something that we are really, really excited about is that KO Films has committed to making the covenant in such a way that it is faithful to the biblical text, which you know is super important to us. This series is being crowdfunded, which means that you actually have an opportunity to help fund this new series. And I think that we would all agree that we could use more shows that we can sit down with our family, our friends, and watch and feel good about what we're seeing and shows that lead us toward a relationship with God. That is what The Covenant is about, helping people reconnect to God. For more information about The Covenant, visit kotv.com slash truth. That's C-A-Y-O-T-V dot com slash truth. Hey friends, pausing for a moment to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Orate. Orate is a fine jewelry brand that is founded by women for women. Their pieces range from classic to statement to completely original. And one of our favorite things about Orate jewelry is the insanely good quality. Because it's all real gold, you can wear it all the time and never have to take it off. I have a gold Orate ring that I shower in, work out in, sleep in, cook in, whatever I want to do, and it holds up beautifully. It is jewelry for life. And because Orate sells directly to you without the middleman markup, they can offer the same quality as traditional high-end brands, but at a fraction of the cost. And not only that, they are also ethically sourced. Now, besides all of these wonderful things, Orate has now teamed up with Klarna to make their items even more accessible to all of us. Basically, using Klarna, you can shop now and pay over time. It's just a more flexible way to get what you want from Orate. For 20% off your first Orate purchase, go to oratenewyork.com slash shereadstruth and use promo code shereadstruth. That's 20% off with no minimum spend. This is a great code, you guys. So head over there and see if there's something that you might love. It's orate.com, A-U-R-A-T-E, newyork.com slash shereadstruth with the promo code shereadstruth. All right, back to the show. 
I love, um, I literally was about to say, I love what we do here. Um, but <laughs> I, I do I, love what we do here. But let me explain. So as we're reading through books of the Bible, a thing that we like to do at She Reads Truth, a thing that we do regularly is we will pair scripture from other parts of the Bible with what we're reading, right? And so today, you know, or this day that we're looking at right now, we're reading from Hosea chapter 11, but we're also going to read from Psalm 103. And just listen to this. This is verse 11 through 14. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he, oh, I love this so much. For he knows what we are made of, remembering that we are dust. Like he knows and he loves us. He knows we're just dust. There's such a smallness to that 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 does not make me feel sad. It makes me feel so held and comforted and so relieved that I'm not in control. I think what's really, helpful about that Mm -hmm. is that I think, you know, I think we all know that there's a tendency for people to look at the Old Testament and think that the Old Testament is the wrath, right? the wrath version of God, Mm -hmm. and that the New Testament is the love version of God. When it's like, no, the Bible is the whole revelation of God. That's right. And so I think to not be so distracted by, in a negative way, so distracted by God's judgment you know, saying, hey, I'm going to knock down all your idols. I'm going to make life kind of hard for you because you won't repent of your sin. And then missing mm-hmm. this compassion yeah. and this mercy and this love. It's not like God didn't start being merciful when Jesus showed up. That's right. He's always been merciful. Mm-hmm. Amanda and I said in unison. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's it's true. And I don't want to skip. I'm going to a little bit. I'm going to skip ahead just a smidge because... This happens exactly what you just described is such a good application when we read in day 11 and we're in Hosea 13, we get the word Savior. And we can go back. We don't have to completely skip forward. But but listen to this, where it says, like, I've been the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt. You know no God but me, and no Savior exists besides me. Mm-hmm. And so it's what you just said, like the... The saving element <laughs> didn't just, oh, well, let's also have Jesus come in. Like the triune God was the triune God, has been the triune God from the beginning. We see the triune God in the creation, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a consistency and a wholeness here that we have a really hard time understanding with our human brains, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it is it is no less... Just because we can't understand it doesn't make it any less true. In fact, it's probably a sign that it's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, the truth truest. that the Savior didn't come on the scene in the incarnation, right. that God yes. is a saving God, right. that characteristic yeah. of Him is always. And so I'm glad there's two of us because I can try really hard to say something and then you're like, this is what you meant. No, like, yes, thank you. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's a good friend. But That's going right. back, Jackie, to what you were saying about that God saying, like, I'm knocking down your idols. And like, we sometimes are tempted to see the God of the Old Testament as a God of judgment. And we're not perceiving that the knocking down of the idols, or like we read last week, you know, this like blocking our way with thorns, yeah, that those that actions we see them as judgment and fail to see them as mercy, mm-hmm. as grace, mm-hmm. as kindness, as tenderness. That comes from knowing Him, and that comes from yeah. knowing our Bibles. We, I heard somebody say the other day, which was not a wrong thing to say, but just like, when I feel sad, I go read my Bible. That's so good. Please do. Please but do. Also, yeah, that's right. But my comfort comes from knowing my Bible and from yeah. knowing the God of the Bible and knowing the God of Hosea, knowing the God from the book of Deuteronomy. Like this long life of knowing gives me the fullest context so that when I feel sad, I know who he is and I know his full character. And I know when an idol has been knocked down or when my way has been blocked by thorns that if he's who I think he is, that this is an act of mercy. Yeah, he chastises those he loves. That's right. Here in Hosea 12, 
we get this call in verse six, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and always put your hope in God. A merchant loves to extort with dishonest scales in his hand. But Ephraim thinks, how rich I have become. I made it all myself. In all my earnings, no one can find any iniquity in me that I can be punished for. That's ridiculous, right? Like we can see this and go, this is absurd. But that's us when we, there are times in Hosea where it uses the word fool and foolish. Like we are foolish Mm -hmm. when we are putting, when we are attributing to lowercase g gods what can only be attributed to uppercase g gods or looking for things from lowercase g gods Mm -hmm. that can only be found in the uppercase G gods, and especially when we, like Israel, know who God is. That's right. Yeah. And still do that. And I add, I think some of this, you know, isn't even like some external idol, but really just a prideful way of viewing yourself and your own competence. That's good, Jackie. Yep. You know, it's like, look at me. Mm -hmm. I've worked really hard. I have a degree. I've did my nice sales pitch. I can preach really well. And so it just, the idol really becomes, really is revealed as it's us, Mm -hmm. you know, when it's like, no, even your brain is a gift. Right. And so your ability to reason and have the level of competence that you have is because God gave it to you. Your talents have been given. And that's yeah. so hard when you're praised for what you do right. all the time. That's right. I'm speaking from experience. Like write yeah. a really awesome book that gets on a couple of bestseller lists. Right. <laughs> you're just like, look at me. I listened in English. And it's like, no. Yeah. Sis, yeah. That's the Lord. Well, even this verse six that I just read, it sounds sweet almost, mm-hmm. right? Like you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, and always put your hope in God. Yay. But if I read that as a rebuke, (laughs) which is, I think, the context in which it is given, but you must return to your God, maintain love and justice, always put your hope in God, not, I'm pointing at myself, not in me, not in yourself, not in these other things, because where we goes back to our conversation about prayer Mm -hmm. and asking and confessing, you know, just being in communication with God, Mm -hmm. otherwise... We're just, a trap is just waiting for us. I mean, that's Hosea 13, Amanda, right after where you read in 4 and Mm 5, verse 6 says, when they had pasture, they became satisfied. They were satisfied and their hearts became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. There it is. It's just what you were saying, Jackie, that our idols aren't always, or even we could say are maybe even rarely external idols. It is the lacking of lack. It's the thing, if we don't need then we aren't relying on God because we have good pasture, right? Even if that thing that we have is from Him. Here's the thing. The book of Hosea, to this point, has taken us on this journey. We've seen this enactment from the prophet, like this like real life Mm -hmm. call to do a hard thing to show Israel what they're already doing, right? And then we've gotten these prophecies and and the Lord saying like, my goodness, I have compassion on you. And so we get to chapter 14, and God calls Israel to repent. We talked about, as we were studying Deuteronomy, that word remember kept coming back and back and back. Mm-hmm. I see this return word happening in Hosea a lot. And all the prophets, And all too. the prophets. Yeah. You're right. It's not unique to Hosea but because yes. it's all one book. But in Hosea 14, verse 1, Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. Take words of repentance with you and return to the Lord. And then we get like an actual sinner's prayer here. Like this is a model of how we, the modern reader, can repent. It says, say to him, forgive all of our iniquity and accept what is good so that we may repay you with praise from our lips. Assyria will not save us and we will not ride on horses and we will no longer proclaim our gods to the work of our hands for the fatherless receives compassion in you. Oh, gosh. (laughs) I need to read this book more often. Right? <laughs> Jackie, it's my favorite. It's my favorite yeah, I prophet. I, I haven't spent enough time in here, mm-hmm. and I feel away. And then a promise of restoration. Wait, hold on. Wait. We can't go yet. Don't go yet. <laughs> Don't go yet. We got to stay right here for just a second. First of all, I feel like the word stumbled is kind right here. Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled in your iniquity. I'm like, what I've just read for 13 chapters feels 
a little more than stumbling. But That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love this imagery of take words of repentance with you and return to the Lord. Take words of repentance mm-hmm. with Isn't you. Isn't that great? Like, and especially when we've been talking about sacrifices mm-hmm. and God mm-hmm. saying, I don't need that. What I need is your heart. And so to take, so the sacrifice we can bring is just words of repentance. This is what I bring. That's good. And return yeah. to the Lord. And even, I think, added on to that is so that we may repay you, mm. not with works, but with praise. Yes. Yeah, that's you good. Know? Like, here's what I have. My worship, my heart, <laughs> my life, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that really is helpful, again, for our do goody two shoes kind of culture, which is, okay, let me do all that I need to do yeah. to repay you. And it's like, no, just, just worship me. Yeah. Like as, give your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah. Holy and acceptable. Our friends, Jess and Taylor, they have a group called mission house and there's, they have a song that says, I don't have much, but I have a heart that beats for you. And it's just this refrain over and over. And I think that's what, this is is I have a heart that beats for you. I have a life I'll live for you. Like that's that's it. Mm-hmm. We'll link to it. It's beautiful. You're gonna love it. Keep reading for us, Amanda. All right, verse four. I will heal their apostasy. I will freely love them, for my anger will have turned from him. I will be like the dew to Israel. He will blossom like the lily and take root like the cedars of Lebanon. I said that like people from Tennessee. We say Lebanon. We That's have a, a place. we have a city in Tennessee called Lebanon. It's called Lebanon. And Spelled you may the same. not you may not say Lebanon. You may only say Lebanon. Or they Lebanon. will they okay. will make you leave. That sounds like a, a kind of like ointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. And why not? works. All right, verse six. <laughs> his new branches will spread and his splendor will be like the olive tree, his fragrance like the forest of Lebanon. The people will return and live beneath his shade. They will grow grain and blossom like the vine. His renown will be like the wine of Lebanon. We just read like Israel returned to the Lord and bring words of repentance. Repentance is turning away, right? Turning mm-hmm. away from our sin. So we are turning away from our sin, turning to God. God is turning his anger from Israel, turning his anger from us. There's a line in chapter 12 that says, it's talking about the Lord and says, and it's talking about Jacob, he will repay him based on his actions. And there's this that we're reading right now where we're turning away from our sin, right? Israel's turning away from their sin, turning toward God, and God's anger is turning away from Israel. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much gospel all in this, right? That mm-hmm. because yeah, of Jesus, that's right. Like God's <laughs> wrath, we know, was actually turned upon Jesus. He has taken that wrath and it is no longer turned toward us. That's right. It has been paid for. Verse eight, Ephraim, why should I have anything more to do with idols. It is I who answer and watch over him. I am like a flourishing pine tree. Your fruit comes from me. This is the last verse of the book of Hosea. Let whoever is wise understand these things, and whoever is insightful recognize them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. I love that. That's a really good way to close. Mm-hmm. Good job. Because it, it feels like wisdom literature. It does. does. It, yeah. It absolutely yeah. does. That feels like Proverbs. And then in day 12's reading, right after Hosea closes, we have this short passage from Second Chronicles sixteen nine. I love this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. To show himself strong. Mm. Not to show them strong, no. Nope. Mm-hmm. But to show himself strong, there's this, there's this unshakable theme of blessings and curses throughout Scripture, mm-hmm. and what we know is that obedience matters, and what we know is that the best offering we can offer is our praise and our thanks, yeah. our acknowledgement of what God has done, is doing, is going to do, our worship, our worship, yeah. Yeah. And so we've just, I mean, that's the end of and the book our of obedience. And our, also obedient. Like all of those things. It's yeah, all yeah. part of worship and acknowledging God as God. That's right. 
Yeah. I mean, it's the first commandment. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And so as we wrap the book of Hosea, having... I don't want to. I know. Listen, we're not done with this episode. We got time. Jackie, don't leave. Yeah. But as we wrap the book of Hosea, and Jackie, you did such a good job of kind of framing for us at the top of this episode, the concept of like kind of a reframing for us of what the holiness of God is and how we respond to the holiness of God, right? And so we've seen that play out really practically in a couple of ways in the book of Hosea. We've seen what happens when we don't acknowledge or obey or worship a holy God. And we've also seen that this holy God is filled with compassion, and He's calling us to return to Him. And so, what is our response to this holy God who asks us to return to Him? It is to live in holiness. Like, that call to be holy as I am holy is not a thumb in the back. It's an invitation. Yeah. I think, depending on what church context you you go to, people hear you say that and immediately move to, okay, I have to stop doing this. Right. And I have to start mm-hmm. doing that. And there's an element of that. But I think it's wise to pause and do what Hosea 9 is saying is like, let whoever is wise understand, whoever is insightful recognize that the ways of the Lord are right. So Second Corinthians 3 says, we are transformed by beholding the glory of the Lord. And so even before you stop or start doing anything, start beholding God in his word, among community, in prayer, and let the like the ways of the Lord do and work on your mind and the way you see everything so that holiness isn't just what you do, but it's also what you want to be. You know, Um, I would just want to encourage everyone listening to just Pay attention to what God is saying about himself in his scriptures mm-hmm. and then believe it. You know, like yeah, Jesus yeah. says, if you love me, you will obey me. But if you don't even know him, how can you love him? Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just think spending time in the scriptures, not just as a duty or a, something to check off, some like kind of moral situation. Like, no, this is worship too. That's good. Yes. Like, And it's the perfect transition to us turning to you, the listener, to just encourage you to be your pep talk to go, this podcast episode is not your Bible reading for the week, not for a second. You may have heard us read scripture on this podcast, but it is to whet your appetite to be a woman in the Word of God every day this week and not, like Jackie said, to check a box, not as a moral obligation, but because when you read the book of Hosea, when you read any part of God's Word, you're learning about who God is, and you're learning about how worthy of celebration Mm -hmm. His holiness is. And so as you read this week, as you go through the book of Hosea, you're going to take the journey that we just took, but we want that to be your journey as well. Like We've done this here in an hour, but we're just so excited for you to not just be a woman in the Word of God every day this week, but also... We just modeled a conversation about Scripture for you. And so also encouragement is to have conversations about Scripture, to say, who's reading Hosea with me this week? Let's talk about it. I'm going to read this benediction over us before we move to the million-dollar question for Jackie at the end of the episode. Don't be nervous. We listened to this from Psalm 52. So it describes someone who is proud and not making the Lord their refuge. But then listen to verse 8 and 9. But I someone who does put my trust in God. But I am like a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. I trust in God's faithful love forever and ever. I will praise you forever for what you have done. In the presence of your faithful people, I will put my hope in your name, for it is good. That's what I want after reading a book like Hosea. I want that. Like that Psalm, Psalm 52, that's written by David. And David did some pretty terrible stuff, but he describes himself as a flourishing olive tree in the house of God. And the only way that he can do that is because he serves a holy God. Amen. So we too can say that no matter what. That's right. All right, Jackie, million dollar question as promised. We have just spent almost an hour opening scripture and talking about the beauty, goodness, and truth that we have found there. So friend, where in your life are you seeing beauty, goodness, and or truth that is pointing you to Jesus? 
You got to look real hard. There's a lot going on around you right now. <laughs> I don't. I just have to find a way to phrase it. I'll be honest. I think this year has been an interesting one for me. Um, I think my ministry has been fruitful in many ways with the book or just all the things and just inspiring women to study and know and love Jesus. But my life has been complicated. You know, I got pregnant with a five month old. (laughs) I was like, okay, didn't want that. I had some experience with prenatal depression. Now everything that's happening with my home in the midst of all these good things. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, I think one of the things that God is teaching me is that I tend to be a fixer. And, you know, when there is an issue, my competence comes into play where it's like, okay, let me fix the thing. But so much of what is happening is something that I cannot fix. And so I guess the good thing and the million dollar question is God is showing me how insufficient I am so that I can learn how to abide in him. That's right. And that is good news. And so even though my body is just riggedy and my pelvic floor and hips hurt all the time, Mm -hmm. even though (laughs) my house is in shambles, even though, you know, my mental health was struggling Mm -hmm. for a season, God uses all of it to say, I'm here, I'm with you and you need me. (laughs) So to me, it's like, I have no choice but to count it all joy at that point. I mean, that's when we were talking in Hosea week one about God putting thorns in the path of Gomer, right? And we're calling that mercy. I mean, that's exactly what you just described, Jackie. Like, you've got thorns in your path. You're trying to do a thing. In this case, it's not necessarily thorns to stop you from doing something that you shouldn't do. Maybe. But maybe. Whatever. Maybe it is. (laughs) Maybe to keep you from pride, to keep you from self-sufficiency, whatever that thing is. But if we're learning to call that mercy, if we're learning to trust that the Lord is good and that He cannot sin against us, not because we've told Him not to, but because of who He is and His holiness, then it's just a full-on different approach to hardship or stress or whatever thorns come in our path. I think that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And just thank you for being here in the middle of chaos. Thank you for carving out time to talk with us. No, this was good. This was really edifying to my heart. And so I enjoyed this a lot. That's yeah. what we that's what we want. I mean, we prayed before we hit record that we would ind- as individual human souls learn and point each other to Christ. And so that's yeah. goal number 1. So I'm thankful for that. Okay. Well, listen, friends listening, that is the end of Hosea. That is a wrap on our two-week series on Hosea. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. But we're coming back next week with a longer series on the book of Acts. It's going to be a little bit of a whiplash from Hosea to Acts, but it's going to be great. And you're going to love this. You may remember her from week one of Joshua back in the spring. Christine Kane is coming for weeks one and two of Acts. So she is going to super kick off Acts for us. Double header. We're super excited about that. So come back next week because that's what we're doing. Until next week, Jackie, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles.